Hello everyone, welcome back to the Only Networking Show, news, education and member spotlights from Only Networking. I'm James West. And I'm Kelly West and we are the co-founders of Only, the business network for people who like people. Fantastic. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you. Well, you were back last month, but welcome again. Thanks for recognising that, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So we've got loads coming up on the show. We're going to talk about personal brand, why that's so important, for it, particularly in a networking context. We've got Kelly's next networking gem. We've also got a very special special guest, SAS, Sasubi Business Medics. Welcome to the show, SAS. Thank you very much, James. Kelly, James, lovely to be here. Fantastic. We're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit later. We've got an interview with you, but you'll be involved. You're not getting out okay. of it. <laughs> so let's go around the network. Let's talk about um, Only Talk. So last month it was Nisha Hack talking about personal brand. Um, very well received Only Talks as it was. The thing that I took from it, and I'll ask you guys about takeaways from it, but when you talk about brand within business, people typically think about their business brand. So they try and curate their business brand through their logo, through their social media, etc. But they don't tend to think about personal brand. And of course, as we were talking about in terms of networking, personal brand's all you've got. Your business brand doesn't really mean anything in that context. And it's also getting away from this idea that then, okay, the bit where I can impart my personal brand is the bit where I get to speak. So you're kind of 60 second typical intro. But of course, it's not that, is it? It's actually the 90 minutes or however long that networking event is. The whole time you are pushing or imparting the idea of your personal brand through your behavior. Um, so I've got some some of the feedback that we had through yeah. the month, but what's your take on that? You're you're a keen observer of networking yeah. behaviour. Nosy, Nosy. is the key word there. Yeah. yeah, I do. I spot lots of things. For me, backgrounds are key. Where somebody sat, you know, I'm interested to see what they've got behind them. Pictures, little knickknacks, personal things that build up that character of that person. I think that. Kind of, you can do that in person as well, how somebody is dressed or the accessories they're wearing, that sort of thing. So I don't think that that's exclusive necessarily to just online, but I don't think people realise what they're doing when they're not doing yes. things sometimes. And I think it, it's quite easy, particularly if you're nervous, to be so intent on needing to do my bit and then the relief when you've done your bit that you can sometimes forget that if you've drifted off, people are watching you. They can yeah. see you've done that. And whether that's intentional or not, I, I do think people need to be a little bit more aware of it. I have to say, within only a, a very it's got rare, better, isn't it? Very rare that that happens. That would normally be visitor behaviour that is not necessarily used to the network. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, it, back in the day when Zoom was starting up and it was all the rage, it was people eating, wasn't it? Do you eat on Zoom? Don't you? Should I wear my pajamas? You know, we've gone past all of yeah. that. But it is what am I actually physically doing? Mm -hmm. Wow. You can tell the difference, can't you? And you've probably noticed this, Sass. You can tell the difference between someone that's maybe putting something in the chat or writing yes. notes down compared to someone who's just said their piece and then they're over here doing some work. And the way that I, the way to work that out, what would that look like in person? So we're in a conversation. I've said my piece. Now it's your time to speak and I'm going to start doing that. Well, that's basically what you're doing, absolutely. isn't it? It's no, it's no different to being in a one-to-one -one situation with someone in a, say, you, you know, a, a hotel or somewhere you're meeting for a networking thing, and suddenly you start looking over there. Yeah, uh, it's going to send out all sorts of wrong messages uh, to yeah. people. You know, and it, ultimately, it's going to probably make you think a little bit less of that individual. You know. Yeah. But can I just say one thing that that 
I'm reminded of, um, and it's something that um, Jeff Bezos, I think it was, of Amazon came out with. It says, personal branding is everything, is is um, what people say about you when you're not in the room. Yes. And I think that's a very important factor here. Because yeah. the impression you're, you're, you're making with individuals when, yeah. when you're... And as, as, quite, as you quite rightly say, it's all the things you, you do after the networking, as much as actually when you're on that uh, that call as well. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it, in-person behaviour, if you go to a networking event and the person that went out of their way to welcome you, to greet you, to make sure you were comfortable, make sure you had a drink, asked you, told you that if you've got any questions, come and speak to me, you'll remember that person favourably. You might not even remember what they do, but you'll remember how they made you feel. That principle, I, I think we sometimes forget, is exactly the yes. same online. Because you'll remember the people that nod, that smile, that react when you say something, because it is nerve-wracking, isn't mm. it? Mm. And this is, again, one of those components that build personal brand mm. is around that. Let's talk about the post-meeting behaviour, because there very much is this kind of hit and run. Well, yeah. I've been to networking. I said my piece. I was there for 90 minutes. I'm done. It's not true, though, is it? No, it's not. It, it depends what you go networking for ultimately doesn't it you know if you are literally there to collect business cards as it was in the old days to put in your roller decks because you've got loads of connections fine you've done the tick box exercise but if you are there genuinely to build connection community business opportunities you've got to put the effort in haven't you you know this is be the same as like you say putting out a social media post and expecting half a million pounds worth of business to come in as a result it's not going to happen is it you've got to put effort in to nurture these things so i think I think we said this on the gem last month, didn't we? We've kind of alluded to this, might have been a month before, but almost under promise over deliver. You know, you don't have to say you want 10 one-to-ones with people. You don't have to say you've got all of these connections for people. Use it when you know you do. And then it comes across as much more powerful because it's not expected. It's just, it's, it should be used when it is relevant. I, I'm still quite surprised how often, I mean, we produce an attendance sheet, so you've got all of the details of the people that are at that networking group. Mm. I don't think people allocate any time to the post-networking activity because I would say nine times out of ten, I'll then go through LinkedIn, I'll connect with that person, and I'll go through this once more because I've said this before. You have to click on their profile, then hit connect, then you can add a note. Because if you just hit the connect button on the search, it just connects you. And if you haven't sent them a message, they'll probably accept the connection request and you'll never have a conversation and the algorithm will push you apart. Right. So you have to send a personal message, but most people still don't bother, A, to even connect at all, but certainly very few people send a message. Yeah. And that's really the beginning of the next step, isn't it? Well, also, and this is another point I just wanted to discuss very quickly, it was apparent to me on the, the meetings that I went to that personal brand and business brand, a lot of people didn't necessarily see as one. Mm. And it was very much the case, well, my website is just there because it's an extension of my business card. You know, people will get to know me first and then they'll go to my website. Yes, okay, that is the point, if, it, if they meet you in that way. But in that instance, I've met you at a networking event, I've gone onto your LinkedIn. Does that match the image that I had of you? Am I going to go onto your website and then see something completely different? Is it jarring or is it coherent? But flip that round, if I'm a visitor to your website, I've not met you. Yeah. And there was a lot of people that sort of went, oh, never even really thought <laughs> about that because it's normal. If you're a good networker, you meet the person first, then they look at your stuff. Mm. But if it's a cold viewer to your website, mm -hmm. 
they need to have a good feel from that, don't they? And that needs to match. We've got a good exercise that Nisha actually told us about that can help you create congruence between business and personal brand. Very simple exercise that you can all do at networking. We said it, I think it really works best with people that know you a little bit. Mm. Right or know you well don't just drop it on a stranger because that might be quite <laughs> difficult but um the the question is this just say to people give free what just stream of consciousness what are free words that you would use to describe me mm. just boldly ask that question and be brave enough <laughs> to hear the result um it, it's it is scientific to a level you will get some odd words so don't take the first one that you hear as gospel um but what you're looking for is if you do that 10 times you'll probably find commonality you'll probably find the same word keeps coming up that probably is the key word for how people perceive you by the way it might not be the word that you want it to be but that's the truth isn't it because that's what people you as a marketeer would know so this cool. very well sass isn't it that the you feedback know, you get in those situations you really need to take seriously because mm. uh, this is of how you are outwardly being perceived uh, and that's what marketing is all about really because it doesn't matter what you think is going on in your little you know world it's how other people see you because that's going to reflect how you can get business uh, going forward I'll tell you an interesting one that happened to me very recently. And I won't mention names, uh, but, but um, I was on holiday. And uh, while I was in Greece, uh, I got this um, connection to, it was great to see you at the only meeting this morning. Um, let's hook up on LinkedIn. So sometimes the, prescri the prescriptive approach in terms of uh, here's a list of people. Yeah. Let's just you know hammer it to everybody. You know, um, I said, yeah, I'll happily connect with you because you're an only member, but Bear in mind, I wasn't at the meeting the other day and you didn't actually meet me. And I just thought, you need to make these points because, you know, it, immediately it's a bit like going back to what you were saying earlier with regards to the, um, you know, going on to the chat. It's the same sort of thing. It's, you've, it's, it's, a, it's a tension span. It's, it's not the right type of interaction, you know. Mm. Um, haven't had a one-to-one -one with this individual yet. I'm working on it. But, he, you know, he or she may be an interesting person to get to know. Uh, but it's just you get off onto a, a, a wrong footing. Yeah. And the other thing is, you sometimes don't find people on LinkedIn. People you know, have got a sort of a zero personal uh, mm. public profile, so you can't actually, yeah. And they've just been on a networking uh, event, uh, you know. And you think, well, hang on, what's that all about? You know, it'd be mm. nice. I'm not saying I'm sort of collecting because, you know, when you get to nearly a thousand, uh, you, know, you don't really need to. <laughs> but you just need to sort of be in a position where uh, people are savvy about these things because it's comes back to it it's your personal brand it's how you and and the first word i would have said about that person is well engagement or, or non-engagement not paying attention two words but yeah you're exactly. cheating because you're trying to automate a process yes. of humanity Which that's a bit work. grand isn't it but that's good yeah. there was a ridiculous one sorry hold that thought there was a ridiculous one that i saw the other day where someone had posted on linkedin is it just me words to this effect i'm paraphrasing and it's probably good that I change the words because they might identify themselves. But <laughs> they basically said, is it just me or is LinkedIn gone crazy at the moment? I can't keep up with the number of messages that I'm being sent. Is there any way to automate the reply? And I didn't put anything. But the point is, you've done the hard work by getting people to message you. Please don't try and automate your response as a human being. That's the bit that we need to spend more time on because that's relationship building rather than stressing about 
what am I going to post that gets more likes? Mm. You don't need likes if you've got engagement sure. and you're in conversations, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that was a yeah, bit of a yeah. shocker. <laughs> Sorry if I've outed you there, but I didn't say your name because I can't remember what the name was, <laughs> <laughs> fortunately. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I interrupted I can't, you. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's gone. Oh, come on. No, it's gone. It'll come back to me in a minute. I'll right, interrupt we'll you. come back to it. So <laughs> ask for free words. Um, and you do have to be brave. We've had a few members that said, well, I didn't really like what they said tough that's what i say we want the truth don't we we need to know the truth um well in fact here's a quote from mr tim brock mm -hmm. good friend of ours fsb yep. extraordinaire tim um your friends and family will tell you you're great you need people you trust in business to give genuine feedback mm, very good it's the whole yeah. point isn't it yep, yeah definitely um and then this was an interesting one from Simon Pete, fairly new member, a mm -hmm. um, very cool guy. Um, recommend having a chat with him. Um, I want to develop my own brand and understand where I fit into the business world. Then I'll add the brand imagery around it. Love that. Because mm. very few people, I think, that are fairly new in business get that. Yeah. They think, oh, I've got to build a brand and I've got to get this logo and this colour scheme. Don't. Yeah. Work out what you are, what you stand for, who you are serving. Definitely. Then you build the brand afterwards, don't you? Yes. Yeah, well, if you don't do it the right way, you don't end up with the money to be able to afford for the things that you need to do to get you there in the first place. It's that vicious circle, isn't it? Sure. Absolutely. So, next part of the show, Kelly's networking gem. <laughs> As if it appears here. Well, it literally does. <laughs> it does yeah. literally appear here. Yeah. Maybe if some balloons will fall down, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's testing the limits here, testing the limits. It will now. Um, this one, kind of leading on, I'm reading your notes here because I didn't get that bit down, but leading on from last month's about having a plan while networking. Today, I want to talk about the one-to-one -one and actually getting to know the person you're talking to. Now, we particularly are the network for people who like people. You should be interested in the person, whatever network you are part of. We like to find out the fun stuff, the family stuff, the holiday stories, the da-da-da-da-da, and lots of our members are the same, but... I just want to say today that try not to leave a meeting without finding what that person does, what price bracket they're in, what services they offer, what products they have there, what can you sell on their behalf, what are you an ambassador for them for? Because I think we can all get caught up in the conversations, getting near to the end of the timeline, and we go, oh, quickly tell me about what you do, and you are missing an opportunity. So whilst I wouldn't necessarily lead with that, if you do, great. Definitely make it a point to be able to leave that conversation knowing what the person does and the parameters of that. We spoke about this just now as well, didn't we? And I think we we were in a network before, Poddy, good old Poddy where we met. Um, they used to randomly get you to introduce another person. We were discussing that just now, weren't we? And that really did show you who listened. Yes. Particularly when you've been in the room with someone for three years and you went, I don't actually know what they do. Mm. Because you, you may have been listening, but it may not have been that well explained yes so again another opportunity to be able to give good feedback if you don't understand what that person's telling you get them to clarify because you're helping them because they'll be telling lots of people that and there'll be lots of people that are confused it's the kind of counter to that question and this is probably a bni derived question isn't it great question yeah what's an ideal referral for you that's one of the things that we're taught to say isn't it if you do bni yes, right. and it is a good question but you watch most people stumble, yeah. they'll kind of go, oh, everyone, or if they're a little bit further down the line, they'll have a, a rough idea of a kind of target audience. But most people really struggle with that question, don't they? What's yes. your experience of well, that? Well, I mean, one of the things I do is 
part of my job really is to encourage people to go niche and make mm. sure that that's the first thing that they do uh, and uh, really you know um I mean, I can understand that certain professions may may not lend itself nicely to that type of thing, but uh, always sort of think about that as your first step, uh, you know, have that in your mind. Um, so when that question is sort of uh, thrown at you from whichever direction and how, however comfortable you feel fielding it, you've at least got some sort of knee jerk that you can actually produce because yeah. something, as you say, there's a lot of mumbling that goes on. So I'm very happy with this because I created this company called Business Medics many, many years ago, and um, it was a classic example of build the stadium and they will come. You mm-hmm. know, sorry, uh, field of dreams, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was never intended as anything to do with medical profession. However, it sort of you know, g- g- gathered momentum as a consequence of that. And I now work largely with people from the medical uh, fraternity, <laughs> dentists, <laughs> physiotherapists, osteopaths, <laughs> and so forth. Um, never, I have worked with construction, I have worked with a whole myriad of different other companies, but now I've decided that really it's best to stay with the devil you know, yeah. because mm. it might be a little bit to do with my background as well. Uh, I'm a scientist, so mm. I do understand some of the lingo that these sort of guys, uh, you know, uh, spout forth. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, that, that, I think, you know, makes me more sort of, you know, um, marketable uh, within mm. those niches. You know, it doesn't always work, but it, it sort of has, it gives you an 80% chance of uh, getting, uh, you know, in front of people and getting the gig and being able to fulfill it's, so, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because if I said to you, who can you service? Who can you help with their marketing? And you'd say any business. In theory, you could absolutely Is serve it? any business, which would obviously then include businesses in the medical and healthcare space. Yes. But because you don't signpost it as being marketing for the healthcare and medical profession people assume it isn't for them no so you by narrowing <laughs> down your window you open the window it's weird isn't it yeah you see i think there are different ways of doing it i think as a broad brush message um, I, i've chosen not to put that on my website to say i am a niche you know m- mm. medical specialist for want of a better description because i think i don't want to alienate people you know i don't i, I want to be in a position where i'm saying well, i can offer marketing to everybody really you know it's not a problem but having said that, what you do is you, in your blogs, in your follow-ups and all the other articles you write, your uh, case studies and so forth, you perhaps category kill on it. And that's really the way mm-hmm. I encourage you know people to develop the niche concept of marketing. Not necessarily take away the opportunity of providing a wide angle service, mm-hmm. but at least if people, it, it, it's developing that thought leadership so that people can understand that you are a reasonably good expert in that area um, and obviously, when you go along to networking meetings and you're asking, you know, people for sort of uh, um, uh, contacts and uh, recommend and referrals and stuff, you you sort of get into that groove of asking for the same type of um, uh, professions every time. So that's how I would manage that personally. What know. I heard there is that if you want to work with football teams, for example, just call yourself football team marketing. <laughs> that's a good one. And they'll idea. come flocking. Yeah. Well, I had this yeah. discussion yesterday with a, a visitor to Only, um, lovely guy, IFA hard industry to network because it's a crowded market of course there's a few um, industries in the same space aren't there but he he was very happy to be around competition in fact enjoyed it and we had that discussion that actually your competition can give you the best referrals Mm because they understand what you do better than anybody else but we talked about so zach um from brighton another only member Mm -hmm. i'm going to probably get this wrong sorry zach but deferred benefit company pensions Mm -hmm. i have no idea what that means right get it right zach hopefully let me know i've no idea what that means but i have 
referred one, maybe two people to Zach in the last year because when I've been in a one-to-one, somebody's mentioned it. Yeah. And Zach's the only person I've ever heard the say it. Yeah. So whether that's gone anywhere or not, I don't... But, you know, I know that Zach's that person. Mm-hmm. Gareth Screech will talk about professional couples between 35 and 45 with at least one child. Right. He wants to help them set up their futures. Yeah. So, you know, I like all of the IFAs yes. we've got, but they are helping me define who is a good referral yeah. for them because they're giving me the tools to understand what is best for them. It's also a a way to be a good networker because by running people through that exercise, they might not thank you for it at the time because you're kind of stretching their brain, but you're helping them build the right vocabulary to describe what they do to then get referrals, aren't you? And you're also helping yourself because you're subconsciously then learning the way to present in a way that it makes what you do more understandable right. to others, isn't it? So that's a very good networking gem. Yeah. Good. Thank good. you. Probably deserves some kind of... Fanfails, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Trumpet. <laughs> Trumbones, is that a thing? Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what Rob can find in the old <laughs> animation department. It's time for the final part of the show. So we're going to interview Sass from Business Medics. I've got a bio for you. I'm a bit concerned because it's a bit longer than usual, but it's good bio, a bit of intrigue in this bio. Oh, you don't know this bit yet. <laughs> Sass is a marketing specialist providing strategy guidance and outsourced services to businesses who need help with marketing. That bit's fine. Sass has an eclectic background, which started in technical research with a brief to create, I can't believe I'm saying this, a concrete cooker. We're going to come back to that later. Which developed into working in senior management and procurement of white goods. Takes all sorts, doesn't it? Fascinating (laughs) people's career backgrounds. We should do a show just about that. SAS brings a scientific approach to networking. No, that should be marketing. Mm -hmm. To marketing at a time when so many small businesses seem to be stuck doing stuff rather than measuring efforts and outcomes. Love that. Very (laughs) true. That's why you're here. Welcome again to the show, SAS. Thank you very much, James. Fantastic. Very good bio. Much better when someone else helps me write it. He probably knows more about himself than you do, to be fair. Turns out he does. (laughs) Let's do some questions. So you've been involved in marketing for a long time. Yes. We've got to talk about social media in that context. How do you, um, how does it fit into marketing? Because I've got this contention that we're a bit over obsessed with social media in terms of marketing. I think I would agree with you first of all, but I also say it's an integral part of marketing. It's just not the be all and end all. Um, what I always say to people regarding social media is by all, me- by all means, use it as part of your marketing mix mar- or, or the different activities you're planning to do. But also uh, bear in mind that it's quite can be quite a time consuming thing. And I have this sort of, it's never something I've actually put on paper. It's called the sweat versus reward graph, you know, or a curve, depending on how it works, you know. Make sure that whatever your uh, energy you're expending into something like that does have some sort of outcome. Mm-hmm. So that should, the first thing that should then happen is in your mind, you should be saying, well, okay, I've just spent three hours, you know, I've written a post. Writing a post is great because it doesn't have to be social media because it can go on your uh, website, it can be a blog, yeah. it can be whatever. Obviously, it, and it should be that way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would always recommend that the first thing you do should actually always be to upload things onto your website um, in order to, you know, Google likes it. Uh, it sort of immediately says that someone's done something different on their website. Search engines immediately uh, sort of get attracted to that. And then start repurposing it around the different social media things. Now, that could be a quite straightforward exercise. It depends on how, how adept you are at doing it. Some people go to great lengths and they you know automate these things as well um doesn't matter what you do 
just make sure that you then look at what you're getting out of it. Yeah. It's back to the reward. You know, what is the reward? Is there a reward? Mm -hmm. You know, because otherwise it's just, you know, you just um, King Kong beating yourself on the chest and thinking, you know, <laughs> how yeah. wonderful am I? You know? it, it seems to get a free pass. And I, I thought about this the other day. And what's the way that I can kind of summarize this issue? So if I said to you as a business owner, um, I've got an advertising opportunity for you. It's going to cost you a hundred quid. What is the first thing that you're going to ask me? Mm. What's the expected return? return? What am I going to get mm. in return for my? We're talking about a hundred quid here. Yes. yes. Yet, as you've said, to do a good social media post will probably take you what a good hour. And if you charge two hundred quid an hour, why are you not mm. then measuring an outcome? Because most people, if you say, well, I looked at the likes and the comments, but yeah. that's not an outcome. No, that's not an outcome. So what should we be Well, as a minimum, at? you should be looking at some sort of interaction, you know, that yeah. some people are giving you, uh, first of all. I mean, that's the minimum, that's the baseline. Yeah. So if someone has, and again, it's not just great article SAS. I mean, that's mm. not going to cut it, really. It's going to be something that's gone going to move in a direct, you know, inch things forward uh, above the baseline, you know. Um, so you should be saying, are you in a position where someone has expressed some interest which could lead to a dialogue, for example? You can almost call it lead gen, you know, in that yeah. respect, you know, because immediately you've, you've, you've elevated off that baseline uh, now mm -hmm. and you're in a position where you're going to pick up the phone or you're going to interactively uh, arrange a meeting. Great. Mm -hmm. That's a good outcome. It might not come to anything, but well, these, are the, these are the positives. These are the really good positives to look out. For. Obviously, if someone immediately comes back to you and says, hey, I've got uh, you know, five businesses and I think you're the ideal guy to do it. Well, happy days. You, know? yeah. you might get there after about two years and you become the thought leader in your field. Mm -hmm. If you c carry on with the sort of concerted study uh, approach of doing social media as well as all your other um, you know, um, uh, blogging and uh, all the other, you might get there. But, but don't expect it to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Where I think people love social media, it's an extension of uh, personal life, you know, mm. and they, 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 you know, I think it's the world we live in as well. I think um, mobile technology, uh, whether it's uh, mobile phones or tablets or laptops, or it's so easily accessible mm. and we do it for fun with our friends and our families and so forth. This is just a great way uh, or doing it business now as well. Yeah. But hey, what's happening to the family connections? What's happening to your personal life? What's happening to, you know? Mm take those on board as well because they could potentially be having a damaging effect uh, on, on on you know in your your, your your relationships with your loved ones you know it's very true yeah. actually uh, but i do think with social media in particular unless you're selling like a 10 quid widget which is a yeah. social media post linking to a website shopping yeah. most of the success if you're a b2b provider which most people that go networking are b2b the next step or the measurable outcome is a conversation Definitely. So it, again, it goes back to that point earlier, doesn't it? If you're trying to outsource the conversation bit or automate <laughs> the conversation bit, mm. yeah, you're going to really struggle to get a result, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely yeah. So marketing, you've obviously been in the marketing space for a long time. Yeah. What's changed? What opportunities do you think that we've got now that we perhaps didn't when you started? I think one of the interesting things, picking up on what Kelly said just earlier about the uh, IFA, for example, mm. Personalization is something that is very, very big at the moment. In other words, and I think you picked up on it from the point of view of people are saying, asking for specific, yeah. let's call it demographic, because I'm a marketing guy, I have to say these sort of things, don't I? Um, yeah, specific niches of people, mm -hmm. you know. And I think those are very, very important things. Uh, you know, the fact that people are saying, I'm actually looking for a specific type of niche, not just in terms of a uh, profession group, 
but as an individual as well. So it applies to both B2B and B2C. Uh, so I think that's a very important point. One of the biggest problems, I mean, I, I'm a classical mar marketeer coming back, you know, you can tell from the sort of gray hairs and stuff. Um, used to be a beard, but it's gone. Um, uh, you know, uh, basically I, I grew up with the Kotler approach of which was anybody who studied marketing in the sort of uh sort of 70s and 80s would have heard of a guy called Kotler he's still alive I think he's in his 90s now and he wrote the bible on marketing and it was all about the four p's all about market penetration and all that and it's great I great if you're a product marketeer when it comes to service marketing because with product marketing I think it's a lot easier to see things like differentiators yes think see yeah things that I it's a horrible word this unique because yeah, I overused yeah. USP blah 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 when you have service, that is a really, really difficult thing um, because, you know, you used to get it. When I first joined BNI, for example, oh, yeah, we offer a great service. Well, yeah, and that's our USP. Well, with all due respect, is that really a USP? You know, and, and quantify that service. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. If, you've, uh, if, if you're a boiler engineer, for example, and you've done 100% uh, you know, work of, of all the work and not one person has had a problem with that, then you can pretty much say you offer a an excellent service, mm. but it all has to be quantifiable. I mean, I came from the scientific background where it was a bit of drug research and things like that. And, you know, not, it was always the 99.9% .9 of germs kill, you know, uh, that's that. You never have 100%, but you always get close to it or, and that's a shout. And that's something that's worth extolling the virtues of. Yeah. And those are the sort of things that I think is that much harder in service marketing. Mm. But it doesn't mean to say you can't do it comes back to your niche. It also comes back to the type of uh, uh, positive reinforcement you're getting from your clients and mm. your uh, and their and their clients if they're referring you on, and so on and so forth. Mm. So testimonials are a very very big yes. thing, which is very important. That's one of the things that's really changed. Uh, certainly, in the last ten years, it's become such a big thing uh, mm. in, in in small business marketing, and. A lot of people, and, and I think, I suppose it's because we're British that we don't really feel uncomfortable. So I guess, <laughs> would you mind giving me a, uh, a referral, uh, you know, or a nice testimonial? No, just ask for it. If you've done a good work, obviously, if, if there's been a problem, it might not be the right time to ask for it. But if you have had a positive experience with that individual, or they've had a positive experience with you, ask for it straight away. It. You know, It's that proof of concept thing, isn't it? And I think... One of the things at networking that we get all the time that people who say, I want to speak to HR departments of companies that have got at least 50 employees. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bet you do. <laughs> Why? Yeah, sure. What are you going to do for them? Have you Because if you just said, well, look, I've just done a project for a company of 100 employees and I'll reduce staff turnover by 20% and that saved them half a million quid a year. So if you know anyone in that category, I'd, I'd love an yeah. introduction because I can make Absolutely. them look good. Sure. That's a reason to connect, isn't it? But Definitely. just saying, I want that connection. Yeah. Mm. You've seen this, haven't you? Particularly with, let's say it, one person businesses. Mm. Yeah. That, that want introductions to big, to businesses, big businesses. But you've got to be able to justify You've got to work twice as hard, rightly or wrongly, sure. because they've sure. got the pick of a bunch, haven't yes. they? So, you know, we're all connected to the right people somewhere. And we can probably all get anybody to where they need to be through six degrees of separation. But there has to be a valid reason for why we would do that. And it's not just that. It's our neck on the line, isn't it, as a referrer? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think, yeah. you know, we need to be convinced of that connection as much as it is being able to pass that on to somebody hmm. to, to, to back it up. And it's a busy place. I mean, how many, yeah. many businesses set up each week, month at the moment is crazy. So none of us are unique in that 
aspect. So very hard to be yeah. unique. You know, how can we uniquely back it? unique? Yeah, we need to back up, like you say, with stats and figures yeah. and things like that. Talking about unique, because this is a turn of this expression that I've never heard before. What's a concrete cooker then? Okay. Years ago, in a former lifetime, when I when I had more hair and uh, you know, <laughs> um, I was working for a company called Thorny MI, which I'm sure you've heard of. Mm. You know, and they used to have a cooker division called uh, Thorny Thorn Domestic Appliances, and their offices were not a million miles from here, actually, down in uh, Havant in Hampshire. Um, and um, the the project was, why can't we make cookers the way they make fridges? I needed a little bit. Sorry, I'm not going to get technical, but I'll say <laughs> the way they make fridges: one shot injection mold. So basically, there's a material that you stick in between a uh, steel, uh, you know, um, uh, object, which foams, expands, and that provides you with the insulation, the cool coolant. It's a coolant that they put in there, and that expands, and that provides a structure for the fridge. Yeah. Only problem with with uh, cookers is if you apply the same technology, you probably kill everybody because most of the stuff that these materials have got hydrogen cyanide in them and nasty noxious materials so you don't want to go down that road now i was very fortunate to have done a lot of work over the years in fact did a postgrad in uh, um, what's called inorganic polymer technology now it's everything that's not carbon based anything that's not you know so it's things like silicon technology aluminium phosphates and all that sort of stuff and these these materials now are being used in dental cements and they're very fast uh, fitting. Everything comes back to dentists with me. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> they're very fast setting. So what the idea was, can we take these materials, stick some bubbles in it, basically foam it so that it creates insulation uh, and then provide thermal conductivity. Uh, and uh, thereby you can then create a shape. Uh, thereby you can then create an object which will effectively um, provide some sort of um, heating device, cooking device and we did manage to get a, uh, I think it was about a six pound um, uh, chicken. In the, it, it did work. This is going back to, nine, uh, let's see, 1988, 87, wow. 87. Uh, then, then, then sadly, Thorne's Domestic Appliance Division, which brands like Parkinson Cowan and uh, Tricity Bendix and all those sort of okay. brands, yeah, yeah, brands, well-known brands, were all sold to Electrolux. Right. And Electrolux um, uh, were interested in the technology. Uh, and then they realized that the prototype didn't look much. I mean, it really did look like a concrete <laughs> with a sort of glass panel on the front, you know, um, with a turkey inside, which had been cooked in there with loads of electric wires. Because this is a prototype. <laughs> you know, we're talking yeah. sort of, you know, real, you know. And um, it was just one of the, the it, it, it's something I like to talk about purely because it's such a wacky, <laughs> off the, you know. But it was a classic example of we got around about two and a half million uh, pounds, uh, which in, in the 80s, but from 84 mm. to 87, this was, was quite a reasonable sum of money. Mm. And the materials that came out of this were really patentable, you know, because they offered all sorts of solutions. That, not, not to the dental world, because they, they were already established in the dental world, mm. but they were used in things like uh, cookware. They were used in a whole myriad of it. And the classic one was the glass that we managed to put on it ended up becoming the glass uh, surface for the halo heat cooker, which we all use induction hob. You wow. Know. So, you know, got my name on the patent, um, was paid 150 quid um, oh. for a technology that's probably worth about 8 billion now, I don't know. Wow. I'm just guessing. So, so there's an alternate universe where we'd all have those cookers that you created. Yeah. 
and you still can do it. I mean, I've got, I mean, this is give you an idea how old this technology is. Uh, I've got these all on slides. There's there's no PowerPoint. <laughs> there's nothing like that. I'll happily show them. To be, it's like it, back in the days, oh, you want to come around and see my slideshow sort of thing. And I haven't even got a slide projector anymore. That's how bad it is. But they, I can genuinely prove they do exist if someone has a slide projector. You know, so. Someone tried to give us a DVD the other day. And we were like, literally got, I can play you any digital thing through all the, can't play a DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Sign of the times. Yeah. Can you tell us about your Terry Venable story to wrap up, please? Yeah, sure, sure. It's, um, as a Tottenham fan, obviously as a this Tottenham is fan. a, a Thank you. very I'm important. glad you mentioned this. You know. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, right. Back in 93, uh, I worked for a company called Rumbelows. I mean, I, 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 slight, besides uh, adjunct to this story, Rumbelows was part of Thorny MI. And after is that a retailer? That it's was a retailer. Like they're, they're electrical retailer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, basically, they had a big uh, empire of retail uh, companies at the time, like DER, Radio Rentals, and so forth. You know. Radio. You know. Yeah. Which, if you're a student, the chances are you may have um, rented your telly from Radio Rentals or DER or one of those sort of companies. Yeah. We might still owe them. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or Granada, you know, or people like that. And they all merged into one big company at the end. But I was working for Rumbelows, which was always the the third down the pecking order after Dixon's and Curry. So we had lots of work to do to catch up with USPs and stuff. And um, I was working as a product manager uh, because I got transferred. This is with the white goods thing. And I became marketing manager uh, there for a while. <laughs> and in 93, they, uh, 93 and 94, which is the two years before they uh, went, went into liquid, well, got absorbed by Thorne, they had the Rumbelows, sponsorship for the Rumbelows League Cup. And it was one of those uh, things where uh, we had a... Um, Teams from around the Rumbelows world, north, south divisions, were allowed to put in, um, had a competition running. And the team from the north that won their heats and the team from the south that won their heats played at Wembley before the start of the League Cup final. Okay. And it was a great day the night before. We'd all had we had rather a little bit too much to drink. We were at the Edwardian Hotel in Heathrow. I, and I was the manager. Sorry, I, I, I forgot to mention this. I was the manager. Quite important. I, I, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. A, <laughs> and uh, we got to the final. We got. The, I mean, it was um, fifteen minutes aside before the beginning of the match, and it was Man United versus Sheffield Wednesday. I think Sheffield Wednesday beat them, which was quite amusing. Um, so we'd had a terrific weekend. Absolutely, you know, um, feeling quite tired. Saw the game, saw the big game. Got back in the hotel. We were going to be dropped back at the hotel. No. We'd taken to this place in Kensington. <laughs> Turns out to be a, 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 um, a, a club that Terry ran. It was the early days of the karaoke clubs, mm. you know, called Scribes, right on Kensington High Street, an area I know well because I did my degree down there, you know. And I thought, this is strange. And we went in there. And I'm not going to name drop here, but there was there was George oh, Best was there. there, George oh, yeah. Best was there, Phil Collins was there, <laughs> Dennis Law was there, you know, quite a few. You know, I mean, you have to be of a certain age to appreciate some of these people, perhaps. And it was just one big glorified. Anyway, Terry Venables, who owned the place, was obviously putting on a show. And it was for us and the team that we beat. It was a, you know, there was about 40 people in there with wives, partners, and what have you. And um, he said, who's going to come up and do a duet with me? <clears throat> and I think I'd got to that point of no return. <laughs> and I said, yeah, me. And my um, partner at the time said, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd just done Hey Big Spender, by the way. So, you know, she had <laughs> later, later became my wife as well. Um, uh, she, I said, he said, what are you going to do then? I said, well, I can only do one type of song. And that's a sort of Frank Sinatra number, you know. Um, and it was uh, my way. Yeah. And he said, you start and I'll come in and we'll duet. You know, 
did we duet? I ended up doing the whole lot. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was never recorded. It was just a load of photos and stuff like that. But great moment, you know. Fantastic. Oh, uh, so, yeah. so you sang karaoke in front of Phil Collins. In front of Phil Collins <laughs> and George Best. And George Best. Yeah. I like the bit where he said, I won't name <laughs> apart from the fact that. There was others as well there, but I just can't remember them. Were <laughs> there any of the current Spurs team there at the no, time? No. Okay, so you didn't get to meet no, those guys. Either. No, this was he. He was the Spurs manager at the time, you course, know, just yeah. before he became England manager. So you know, probably did you a favour that the Spurs team absolutely, yeah. In front well, of it was the year they won the FA Cup, actually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there you go. Great story. Yeah. So we're Thank ending you. on a song today, then. Sorry, we're ending on a song today. Are we? Are we? Oh no, oh. no, no, we're not. Okay. No, we're not. Auto cue and I'm there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Absolutely. Thank you, Sass. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. So there you go. Great show. This has been the Only Networking Show. Please like, subscribe, share, and we'll see you again next month.